0: Restorative justice, restorative practices. How does it really work in schools, or how can a business leader address conflict and culture issues within their company?
1: We've been implementing and training restorative practices for over 10 years. We invite you to join us in discussion around classroom and community circles, conferences, and implementation strategies.
0: Just like you, we live this every day and always strive for what's best for students, staff, and communities. We are the RJ Solution. Join us for
1: an entertaining and informative podcast.
0: Well, welcome to the RJ Solution Special Edition. We'd like to welcome Sarah Bixler. Sarah, will you just give us an idea of your background and history?
1: Yeah, Um, so my name is Sarah Bixler. I'm currently a Dean at uh, Chatfield Senior High School. This is my third year here in this position. Prior to being a Dean, um, my first year teaching, I was actually uh, at a residential treatment facility Um, which basically were, I was teaching kids who were in the custody of either Department of Youth Corrections or Department of Health Human Services. And that was an interesting first year teaching, lots of fights, but I loved the population of kids. Um, And then moving after that, I, I ran center programs Uh, Effective needs center programs for seven years, both at the high school and elementary level. And that's really where I started getting into restorative practices and um, seeing how helpful and necessary restorative practices was for kids um, in those programs. And to qualify for an AN program, it really was a gamut of of disabilities, um, mostly dealing with kids who qualified for a serious emotional disability, autism spectrum disorders. We had kids who had other health impairments, really just a a range of disabilities who are struggling with um, behavior and emotional regulation, appropriateness skills, all of that, Um, and then moving into my current role as a Dean and using restorative practices through that discipline side and, and really focusing on A, alternatives to suspensions, but also that repair and reintegration after the harm is done as a Dean and making sure that kids learn from the incident so we don't repeat the, the behavior. So that's kind of a nutshell of, of myself.
0: Awesome, perfect. So the reason why we wanted to talk to you today is kind of to go through a little bit your expertise in those AN programs and how restorative practices um, works with students who have some of those disabilities. So can you give me an idea? We'll talk a little bit about circles and then about you know restorative dialogue and conferences and that. So let's go with circles first. In doing circles. Um, in that population, what are some suggestions that you have for, for our folks?
1: Yeah, so I think it's really important and I think it's especially empowering for our kids in those programs to have the experience of circles. Um, a lot of times, you know, we talk about doing circles like once a week. I ran uh, circles every day with my kids. Um, part of the, it was really important for them to feel that connection and that community with their, with, with us, um, on a daily basis and just have that daily check-in. And we didn't have like super deep questions every day. Some days it was just purely a check-in or what's your goal for the week or whatever. Um, but I think the kids really, they, they really need their voices to be heard, they really want their perspectives to be heard and validated and through the circle process they are able to get that on, you know, a daily basis. Um, so we, and that led to a lot of other things so I think the the biggest thing is to start small with those low risk um, questions in circles. Um, you know, building that trust is really important and taking the time to build the relationship and the trust if you start really heavy i mean you just kind of lose them but we did a lot of you know questions about just getting to know you questions or what's your favorite thing about school and then moving into more of those deeper questions as we went along a big plus that i found for my my kids was using those circles to build expectations within the classroom and the level system. And that lets them take ownership of their learning and the programming that they're receiving. And that was huge. And kids are always harder on themselves than we are on them. So I would, (laughs) I would do, you know, we would, we would start out the year, you know, myself and maybe the social worker, we would, Lay out the parameters for the the level system or the classroom expectations, but as we would go through, you know, a couple weeks in we one of our circle topics would be all right, let's check in on this process and this expectation. Um, Let's check in and see how like what do you guys what's your feedback there's one thing you could change about the level system, what would it be Um, and making sure that we're tweaking it as we go along and getting their voices in and so. That was a huge positive that came out of the circles, especially with this population of student. And they were, they can handle it. They can, they can, they, like I said, they were much harder on themselves than we ever were. Like, why am I gonna get 100% of my points every single day? I'm like, okay, let's be realistic because it's probably not gonna happen and that's fine. So um, that was a lot of the proactive circles that we used um let's see I think it allows you know that and then that allows for us to do those responsive circles to things that happen that you know after a kid blows up in the classroom we can really process through that and support each other too and kids are really great with that of so-and-so had a meltdown in class let's process it how can we support so-and-so so it doesn't happen again um, and so really the difference would be that daily circle time, you know, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. I mean, in a center program, you probably have only a couple kids, you know, you, you're not have it's not 30 kids that you're going through every day. It's probably eight to 10 or 12 at the most. Um, and making sure that you are very clear about expectations at the beginning we used a talking piece so part of our check-in was um, we had all the expectations on like a talking piece a piece of paper on a stick and then on the other side we had like the emotions these you, you guys have all seen that emotion sheet where it's like i'm feeling sad or whatever so they would check in with a number or a feeling and then go into the prompt for the day and that was really good for them to just that that effective needs programming that you need of, this is how I'm feeling, and this is probably why I had a good day or a bad day.
0: Well, I like I really like that idea of putting the um, the symbols or whatever on that uh, talking piece. That's a great idea. I really like that. So, um, oftentimes, not, students in that population might either have a little bit of a oppositional trait to them or defiance and, or just not, you know, working on some of those social emotional skills um, that, you know, are not prevalent or that are prevalent in our general ed population. So if a student decided that they weren't gonna participate in the circle or were very reluctant, what what's maybe a few techniques that you used?
1: Um, I think just reiterating at the beginning, I. I am a believer of the no opt out of the circles, especially with kids who are oppositional defiant serious emotional disability, whatever, they will opt out every single time. And that's part of, you know, their, their deal or whatever. Um, So a lot of times it's, it's making sure that you're starting low risk. If the kid is struggling that first time around, I might skip, but always come back. Mm -hmm. And even if it's after the circle and just have a conversation with them and say, this is why this is important. Your voice is important. And I think a lot of kids who are in this population don't hear that. They Mm -hmm. open their mouth, they say something wrong and the teacher comes down on them. So they learn to not say anything and -hmm. they learn to opt out every single time. So working with the kid like that, and maybe that kid the next day will come up with the prompt. Well, what would you want to talk about? You know, and especially whatever it is, like elementary kids, it's like, if I had a million dollars, I would buy an island and a Lamborghini and whatever. Whatever the prompt is, but having him take some ownership in that circle, and then he could start it off. Um, and really, it comes down to you have to build that relationship with these kids. I mean, it's all, everything with our kids is relationships but especially with this population. They have to trust that you're gonna support them and back them up. So, you know, if I say your voice is heard, like I wanna hear your voice, then you need to follow through with that and make sure that their voice is heard. Um, So having them create a prompt, create a question, um, wait time you know, if they can, after those conversations, if they continue to not engage, just showing them that I'm going to wait and you can say one word. I don't care. You don't have to tell me your life story, but if I ask you, you know, give me one to five, what your day was, I just want a number Mm -hmm. and wait until they do that. So kind of scaffolding it to, to where they are. Um, and, and knowing that wait time is important and they, they will sit in the silence and it will get uncomfortable, but they will eventually speak up and then they feel comfortable. And then typically I've had that happen and I've had wait time. And I think, you know, I've waited upwards seven, 10 minutes and then that kid has spoken and I never had a problem with it again. Mm-hmm. That person was always actually the one talking the most. I'm like, okay, well, we got to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, keep doing a, this. They're not speaking, just speaking a lot. <laughs> Okay, yes. gotcha.
0: Well, let's move on to, you know, uh, whether it's restorative dialogue to restorative conferences. Do you have a couple of examples of conferences that you have done with student, or how you have used restorative dialogue with this population of students?
1: Yeah. So these, so this population of kids, I think at the end of the day, they want to be heard. They want their perspective to be validated, and with restorative dialogue and the conferences. That hits all of those things that they need. Mm-hmm. So, I use restorative dialogue in my daily language um, with the with all of the kids I work with. You know, a kid comes down to my office. You know, as an AN teacher, first thing I'm asking is what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can get through the four questions, great. If not, in that moment, if he's too escalated or she's too escalated, then that's fine. But those are the questions that I'm using. Because it provides them the structure, they know how the conversation is going to go. They know I'm going to ask what happened. They can word vomit when they're mad. I'm going to repeat it back to them. And they're going to hear that. And they're going to be like, oh, wait, she's actually listening to me because she just repeated it back to me. So I feel heard. I feel validated. I'm starting to deescalate because I'm heard and validated. And then... I can move on to like the effects. Well, how did that make you feel? How did that affect you? Oh, well, I was pissed because I was singled out. Okay, and then working through. So as so, using that restorative dialogue with with our SED kids is so important because they need to. It provides the structure, and then they know. And even like they'll make comments like, okay, so what's the solution? (laughs) I know exactly how it is, but it works and it helps them. Um, They will come up with, I think I did a, we were having some playground issues in elementary school with some of my kids and they came up with a system. It was around football. And so they struggling like the fifth graders versus the fourth graders and it was a whole thing and my kids were kind of the the middlemen of of both so my kids came up with a schedule and they made the schedule and the calendar and the expectations and everything that was part of the solution and we posted it up in the cafeteria and the para educators they followed it and like there was no problems so they they come up with these solutions that you would i would have never thought of that in a million Mm -hmm. years Um, But I think the biggest thing to hear is they can do this just because they struggle with emotion regulation or defiant behavior or whatever. The restorative dialogue and the conferences allow that teaching moment to happen with these kids in a structured way where they know what's gonna happen. They know the process you know, they've done them a lot and um, it allows them to learn. And that's part of that instruction piece and and part of that teaching moment of, if you continue to flip out in class, like how does that make peers feel about you? Well, what can we do? Um, A couple things that I've used with conferences, especially for elementary kids, are you know talking you you will have to probably scaffold things with them you might pre-conference with them and coach them a little bit more um and walk through those questions with them giving them more process time you know it's not going to maybe go as quickly as another as a a different student um and having non-verbal signals too and that's a great teaching tool just for kids with Emotion regulation issues is I'm starting to get anxious. I'm starting to get mad, and you've already worked out that nonverbal with them. So whatever it is, like if it's a timeout or whatever, they can they can um, express that, and you can pause and 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 check in with them, um, and then move on or not. And in that moment, that's a win. Like they they were able to recognize those feelings and then move on. And identify that and be like, oh, I can't go on because if I do, I'm going to get mad.
0: Awesome. All right. Well,
1: any, any other last
0: thoughts? Uh, that is some amazing information. Any other last thoughts on your part?
1: I think you, you know, it. I don't know how I did my, I, I don't know how I could do my job currently or even in the AN program without restorative practices and the dialogue and the language and the circles you know, it's been a huge tool for me. They can do it. They, they will do it and they will love it and they will ask for it. Um, and which is amazing and great. Um, so don't, don't fear, you can do it and they can do it and they will thrive with it.
0: All right, awesome. Thank you, Sarah Bixler, who is one Thank of you. our associate trainers. She is freaking amazing as you just saw. <laughs> and, yep, have a wonderful day. Thank you.